Hello, my name is Ho Jun Yoon. You're listening to Medicine on the Way. It is September 2013. This is episode number 19, and today's topic is spinal epidural hematoma. Spinal epidural hematoma is a blood accumulation in the epidural space that mechanically compresses the spinal cord. Although it is a rare clinical condition, permanent neurological deficits occur with delayed treatment. Spinal epidural hematoma was first clinically diagnosed by Jackson in 1869, when it was then reported as a case of spinal apoplexy. Since the first diagnosis, there have been approximately 400 cases reported. The prevalence of spinal epidural hematoma is estimated to be 0.1 patient per 100,000 population, and responsible for less than 1% of spinal epidural space occupying lesion. It is most likely to occur after the fourth and fifth. Decade and very few pediatric cases have been reported. The male and female ratio is 1.4 to 1.2. Traumatic spinal epidural hematoma includes vertebral fractures, lumbar puncture, obstetrical birth trauma, spinal manipulation, missile、uh, missile injuries, and epidural procedures. However, traumatic incidents represents less than one percent to one point seven percent of all spinal injuries, and only point five to seven point five percent of spinal fracture is associated with post-traumatic spinal epidural hematoma. It appears that a pre-existing spinal bone pathology, such as ankylosing spondylitis, may contribute to increasing tendency of traumatic spinal epidural hematoma. Hsh et al. identified cervical spondylosis, rheumatoid arthritis, Paget disease, and ankylosing spondylitis as risk factors for post-traumatic spinal epidural hematoma as well. Almutair and Butnar provide a meta-analysis of post-operative spinal epidural hematoma based on more than. 34,000 described operations and 60 clinical cases. Among the patients who underwent lumbar disc or de- decompression surgery, 33% to 100% showed asymptomatic spinal epidural hematoma identified by either post-operative CT scans or magnetic resonance images. On the other hand, case of Symptomatic spinal epidural、uh, epidural hematoma was estimated to be present per 578 operations. Risk factors for post-operative spinal epidural spinal epidural hematoma include age more than 60 years, use of NSAIDs, preoperative coagulopathy, Rh positive blood type, multi-level procedures, hemoglobin less than 10. Blood loss more than one liter, and INR greater than two within the first 48 hours. Non-traumatic or commonly known as spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma incident represents about 40 to 50 percent of reported cases. 
spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma is associated with arteriovenous malformations, coagulopathy, neoplasm, blood dyscrasia, cocaine use, venous angiomas, hemangiomas, and arterial aneurysm. There seems to be some disagreements about hypertension as a risk factor for spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma. Several literatures claim hypertension as a risk factor, along with use of anticoagulants, spinal vascular um, anomalies, and straining associated events such as sneezing, lifting, vomiting, uh, or micturition, or sit-up. Morales Ciancio et al. postulate development of spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma by combination of arteriosclerosis and hypertension. However, clinical data and currently accepted pathophysiology suggest otherwise. Among 23 patients, Liu et al. identified only two patients associated with hypertension. Moreover, whether hypertension was a true risk factor from the clinical data could not be confirmed because it was not well controlled. Crappled et al. with 613 cases of spinal epidural hematoma published from 1826 to 1996, perhaps the largest clinical data available in the present literature, recognize anticoagulant therapy, vascular malformations, and spinal procedures as etiologic factors. However, no statistical correlation is appreciated between spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma and hypertension. In addition, hypertension alone cannot support the currently accepted pathophysiology of spinal epidural hematoma. It would be a mistake to assume the term locus minoris resistentiae is indicative of increasing blood pressure because it is increased pressure of internal vertebral venous plexus accompanied by anticoagulant therapy. One may argue idiopathic or multifactorial cases are responsible for the majority of spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma and anticoagulant therapy alone does not explain the hemorrhage either. Nonetheless, even though it may be associated with some cases, it appears to be early to determine hypertension as an independent independent risk factor without any convincing data. Anticoagulant therapy is related to occurrence of spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma. History of anticoagulant treatment is found in 25 to 70 percent of the reported spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma cases. Following the idiopathic group, anticoagulant therapy is the second common category among the reported spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma. Time limits of anticoagulants before during and after spinal anesthesia or procedures are considered to be safe for patients. One literature indicates use of anticoagulant even as a predictive factor. A case of 78-year-old female patient without history of trauma or any other risk factors of spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma but use of clopidogrel was reported in France. There are only four cases of aspirin-induced spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma. 
The first case was reported in 1976. A healthy 36-year-old man without trauma, history of anticoagulant therapy, hemophilia, or vascular diseases, but 1,500 milligram of aspirin in two hours for indigestion. Another case occurred to a 79-year-old male who was taking 250 milligram per day aspirin as a prophylactic. In Canada, an 80-year-old female who underwent a total knee arthroplasty developed spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma after adding low molecular weight heparin to aspirin 81 milligram per day post-operatively. A similar post-operative spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma was reported in South Korea with a 56-year-old male who had a drug-eluting coronary stent placement. In this case, clopidogrel was added post-operatively to 100 mg per day aspirin. Although they do not directly indicate aspirin as etiologic factor, Last two post-operative cases support the tendency to bleed play a vital role in developing spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma. Spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma can also occur with bleeding anomalies. In 2008, a pediatric case of spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma was reported in California. Without specific injuries, the patient presented with neurologic deficits with a prolonged partial thromboplastin time, 22% of normal factor 8, and a positive family history of bleeding disorder. The patient was diagnosed with spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma secondary to hemophilia A. The author of this report further emphasized numerous cases of spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma in children with known bleeding disorders that were mainly hemophilia. An interesting case of spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma from Michigan was once published with excessive ingestion of garlic. Garlic contains fungicidal and antibiotic effects which inhibit thrombocyte aggregation and enhance fibrinolysis. Few cases of spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma may occur during pregnancy. Clinical features were similar to those of the non-pregnant and they appeared in the third trimester. It is believed that fluctuation in venous pressure due to the enlargement of the uterus and fetus leads to a rupture of spinal venous plexus. Elective cesarean sections were performed and women were successfully treated with decompressive surgery. The basic pathophysiology is weakened blood vessels of vertebral venous plexus or termed locus minoris resistentiae. Internal epidural plexus located in the epidural space communicates with external epidural plexus, forming a valveless low-pressure system known as the Batson plexus. The Batson plexus is an alternative course of venous return, helping in regulating intra-abdominal, intrathoracic, and spinal pressure or volume changes. Increases in intra-abdominal or intrathoracic pressure exerted by Felsava maneuver transmits force to the spinal epidural venous system.
Rupture of weakened venous plexus results in hemorrhage. More frequent findings of hematoma in the posterior internal venous plexus support the venous origin of hemorrhage. Because the anterior plexus is less extensive and covered with the posterior vertebral longitudinal ligament, likelihood of vessel rupture is assumed to be higher in the posterior portion. However, it is questionable whether the presence of posterior vertebral longitudinal ligament truly prevents the rupture of the anterior venous plexus. Because of its resistance and lack of elasticity, it seems more reasonable to assume any rupture in the anterior portion would exert more force towards the spinal cord. On the other hand, the posterior portion with better extensibility may tolerate more volume of hemorrhage. Several literatures postulate possibility of arterial origin of spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma. First, arterial source is more convincing in which pressure plays a vital role. Because the intrathecal pressure is higher than the epidural venous pressure, a relatively high pressure must be transferred to the spinal venous plexus to result in a rupture. Second, rapidly deteriorating neurological deficit after the onset of back pain denote a quick accumulation of blood. Lou et al. supports this notion with rapidly progressing signs and symptoms of spontaneous spinal epidural hematoma in most cases of their study. Three patients in the study, however, showed recurrent radiculopathy for an extended period of time. This prolonged duration was concluded as a repeated small bleeding from an arterial origin. Okay, this is it for this episode. We just covered pathophysiology and etiology of spinal epidural hematoma. In next episode, I'm going to talk about clinical findings, diagnosis, treatment, and prognosis of spinal epidural hematoma. Thank you for listening. My name is Ho Jun Yoon, and this is Medicine on the Way. Pra fazer feliz a quem se ama